Bye, guys. Okay, so today we are talking about something. We put it on Instagram. We're trying to get your feedback about sober curiosity. This is something that Angela and I have been talking about for a while, Um, just been kind of rolling around in our brain. And when we were finally ready to talk about it, I knew that my friend Bree um, of the food therapist was going to be a perfect person to kind of add into this conversation. She's a wealth of knowledge about this um, and is currently sober. And so I would love to open up the floor and talk about this. Um, hi, Bree. What's hi. up? Thank you so Thank much you for, for joining me. us. Yeah, of course. Brie, we're so happy to have you, especially on this topic. We were excited when we pitched this to other people um, just as an idea. And so many people felt like they would love more info. They would, they've been thinking about it. Um, not that many people are talking about it. So we just felt like this is the perfect way of kind of navigating this world of sober curiosity. And me, Kendall, and Brie all feel like we have seen both sides of going mm-hmm. through a period of life where we were sober, going through a period of life as a drinker. And we want to be very clear. We do not want to weaponize or demonize drinking. Um, yeah. We both, mm-hmm. me and Kendall both at this current time socially drink. So I just wanted to throw that out there, but yeah, we would love to hear Bree's experience on seeing both sides and what that's kind of led to some epiphanies on her side and just some takeaways for her. Yeah. Thanks, Angela. So I had my last drink in November of 2020 and I didn't know it was going to be my last drink. And I feel like most people (laughs) fall into that category. I had been for years kind of toggling between like, what does drinking mean to me? What does alcohol, what role does it play in my life? I've read so many books, obviously with a background in nutrition and health, like I know all the nitty gritty science of what alcohol does to your body and just didn't really have that, I don't know, like a push to mm-hmm. really dig deep and ask myself, like, why am I drinking and do I want this in my life? And so in November, I woke up one morning after drinking with um, a bunch of strangers and I was like, but I don't want to feel like this. Mm-hmm. I feel really horrible right now. Um, And not just in a, like, I drank too much, I have a headache and a hangover kind of way, but in a, I know that I drank and not just that night, but in general to feel accepted and to feel Mm. like part of the group. And that particular night I was out with people I didn't know. And Mm -hmm. for me, the default was to drink a ton of whiskey and try to fit in and try to I don't know, almost like change myself to fit the situation and to fit the people around me. And when I woke up, I realized I didn't want to do that anymore. And because, you know, alcohol was kind of the catalyst to changing myself, I knew that I wanted to stop drinking and see really who I was and how I interacted with people without it. Hmm. I mean, first of all, that's really brave. Mm-hmm. Because you're saying this, I'm like, damn, I mean, that, that hits deep of immediately. I'm thinking like, why do I drink? You know, like mm. it's a good kind of gut check of, of, um, why you do something. And I think that's the mindful piece of it, right? Like we can be doing something and not even know why we're doing it or why it's become a habit in our lives. 
And so thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you, Kendall, for asking. (laughs) I haven't really opened up about it before. Um, Yes. No, I'm so excited. And I remember um, seeing you post kind of when you were deciding, you were kind of back and forth about alcohol. And one of the things that you, you know, had shared in a limited way was like, this is no longer serving me, you know, that you were ready to kick something out of your life that wasn't this thing that was positive in your life, you know, um, where I do think having drinks with friends can be a really like opening experience and, and help with connection and whatever. But when it goes into the realm of like, this is no longer helping me or serving me, this is something that needs to be looked at, you know? Yeah. Okay. So one of the questions, um, we put a little question box on Instagram just to be like, Hey, does anyone have questions about this? Whatever. And there were a ton. And so I thought, you know, going from your story, Angela, I would love to hear your experience too with this, but how does this affect or like, how does that help or hurt your friendships and everyone's opinion? Like how does alcohol play into that? So can I take the floor for a moment? Um, uh, go ahead. Yes. So I was thinking about this uh, when I was in college. I think a lot of people identify college as a time where they're a little bit more unhinged and free and drinking more often. And it's like a, a lot of like social drinking culture, drinking to excess, all of that. And I don't regret doing any of that. I had a good time. I learned a lot of things. I've always been somebody that can't handle a lot of alcohol. And so because of that, I knew I would have to like back up a little bit or I would just be down and out like while everybody else was just getting started. So I would Mm -hmm. usually like come to a party late or like pace myself. And it wasn't because I was like trying not to have fun. Um, But I was fed this like almost insecurity almost weaponizing being a more responsible drinker. And I'm not going to pat myself on the back and say I always was. I definitely wasn't. I think what that all boils down to, right, is this idea of, in this kind of funny way, alcohol being this thing of um, everyone wants to be loved and accepted, right? Like at the end of the day, and we're constantly looking left and right with alcohol of like, how do we achieve this with this substance? Like for you at the party being like, oh, I want to be perceived this way, you know, with Brie being like, oh, I'll drink enough that I will be able to like assimilate to whatever's going on in this situation. Mm -hmm. I think for me, I would drink because I have sometimes, I feel like I'm a, a really deep person and I really wanted to connect with people on that level and they wouldn't get on that level unless they were drinking. Mm -hmm. And so it was like a, Oh, I enjoy the atmosphere of drinking because they'll finally like be on the level that I want to be, whether that's like having a really good time. Like I can have a really good time sober. People will like all of a sudden be like goofy, like me, you know what I mean? Like when they're (laughs) drinking or like really deep and I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, And I think for me, what really kind of put the brakes, I used to drink more than I do now. I think what put the brakes on that was looking around my friendships that like, oh, if I'm not drinking, do I enjoy these people? And that was like a big like, oh, 
like mm-hmm. some of the people that I drank around or created entire friendships around. I'm like, if I'm not drinking with them, like they're not going to call me. Or if I'm not drinking with them, they're not going to like get into a deep conversation with me or, you know, and so mm-hmm. that was a big wake up call with me with alcohol was like, oh, this really is like an artificial substance sometimes. And I think, um, I think alcohol is really cool for opening up friendships. Like I, um, I think we're all just nervous when we meet people. Um, there's just this underlying anxiety, which really is funny in the human psyche that we're all, we're all human, but like coming up against a human, we don't know. We're like, uh, hello, uh, don't know you. (laughs) And so we, we will have alcohol to on both sides kind of loosen the situation. And so you can get to know people on a different level from that. But I do think that, you know, there have been a lot of situations, Brie, I really connect with what you're talking about where all of a sudden you're like, wait, I just had an entire night with people that I will like probably not even talk to again. Like what, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I think to go back to your point, Kendall, like how much of, how much of like alcohol being a part of our social lives is like to open up conversations and how much of it is marketing by the alcohol industries? Mm -hmm. Because that's huge. Like we've been socially conditioned by, you know, generations and also by advertising that like we need alcohol to have fun with other people. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and I think that, yeah, sometimes when we meet people, it can be inherently awkward. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also kind of a lie that advertising has taught us like, Hey, you're going to be awkward when you meet new people. So you need to drink to loosen up. Mm-hmm. And I think we can be not awkward <laughs> around new people if we approach it in a really like genuine way. Yeah. No, I, and I think I was taking a class one time that was talking about our eating habits and how, um, from we so often eat from the emotions that we were modeled specific to that thing. So like Mm -hmm. if every time it's a birthday and it's a celebration, you get cake, then when it's your birthday, you're like, oh, I'm eating cake. Like you don't even think about it. It's like, duh, it's Mm -hmm. my birthday. We're having cake. But that's not actually intuitive, right? It's not like you wake up and you're like, I was born today. I should have sugar. Um, That it's kind of this ingrained thing, right? Or Mm -hmm. um, same if with holidays you, being like, yeah, same with holidays by drinking and, and like, you know, yes. comfort food. And so I think, mm-hmm. yes. And so I am wondering, um, without getting like too far into it of if that, if drinking alcohol was modeled in your household as something like what that relationship was like, and we don't have to go super deep into that, but I know like for me, I was in a household where drinking was like, if you are together with people, you are drinking. Mm -hmm. And so it's not that my parents drank a lot at home by themselves, but it was, if you are with people, then duh, you are drinking. And, um, and that was like a, you know, or if I come home 
to my parents' house. It's like, yeah, we're going to drink. Like that's just written. I walk in the door and someone's like, okay, well you drink it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I think that that has gotten into my psyche where even when I, when I, um, want to cut back, it's so deeply ingrained that like, oh, we're getting together. Like, what should I be drinking without even thinking? You know, it's not even like, oh, I feel, I feel awkward. It really is just like, oh, I'm with people. We should drink. I, I totally relate. My dad came from, not to get into too dark and twisty, but my dad came from a family of alcoholics. He grew up with two alcoholic parents. Um, He was very neglected as a child. He's one of five. They were growing up uh, in a very poverty stricken city and he had a really hard time. And so he did not do that to me. Like I can count on one hand, the amount of times I've seen my dad drunk and he had to work really hard to not do that. So I was not modeled drinking from my dad. Now my mom was a social drinker and it didn't really affect like from my child's standpoint, there was never like a point of contention where my mom and dad were like talking about alcohol in an, any way negatively, like affecting either of them. But I was just reading this quote, which Kendall, I might've sent to you on Instagram because it really got me like having the chills. Oh yes. Yeah. But it kind of fits in because, um, I was looking up like ancestral trauma and just like what you've been generationally unpacking from your parents and your parents' parents. And there was a quote that I saw that was like, you are who your bloodline was waiting for. And so I think Mm. about that a lot of times, um, as far as like with my dad, my dad and I are estranged, but at the time when I was growing up, I just had so much respect for stopping the cycle of emotional abuse and alcoholism and a lot of the things that he was resisting uh, from what was modeled to him. So I, I just, uh, it's rare that I can give a shout out to my dad because we do not have a good relationship, but as this is all coming up, uh, I do have respect for that because I know mm-hmm. you are uh, to un, to, de- to detach from what you were parented takes years of work and it's up and down. And, you know, I just, I just had to say that. So. Yeah. With the pandemic, a lot of the moms are like, it was a joke for a long time of like, how early is too early? Like wine is in my coffee cup, like where people are drinking at like 10 AM because they're like at home all the time that they're Mm -hmm. like, no one's coming in and checking on me. I'm so stressed. Like I, you know, and so Mm -hmm. it's interesting how not going out could help someone not drink, but for someone else could be like, well, me being at home and not going out is what creates this ecosystem of drinking, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Alcohol sales are through the roof over the last yeah. year. I mean, it's insane. Wow. Yeah. I mean, because it's similar of that to like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, some people in quarantine lost a bunch of weight. Some people gained a bunch of weight. We were all navigating like such an unknown and you don't know which part of like the upheaval process will get to you in which way it will get to you. You know, some people are able Mm -hmm. to channel things in a more healthy way. Some people aren't. And both of those things are valid and understandable. So like, I don't, I, I'm not about to sit here and be like, if you were drinking a bunch in quarantine and now you feel like that doesn't serve you, 
like that makes that makes sense to me. We were all in a very unknown yeah. place and people were really stressed and there was so much uh, in interim and in suspension and that can make anyone feel really, really uncomfortable. So mm-hmm. it just, it, it does make sense. It's, you know, hard to do that work, Brie, of like looking at what does it, does it serve you anymore? And why does it not? I mean, a lot of people don't want to pull that curtain up and it's because it's, it's hard. It's not fun to like stare at yourself in the mirror and be like, does, do I need this anymore? Do I need to take a break? Why am I drinking? What does it bring to me? Like all of these Mm -hmm. things can bubble up a lot of things. So a lot of people just close that door in their life. And so, yeah. Yeah. Angela, like that's what we're taught that like, if you start to think you drink too much, then you're an alcoholic and you have a problem and you're broken. But that's not, that's not it. But that's Mm -hmm. like what we've been conditioned. And so when I stopped drinking, I was like, okay, I'll go to a few like AA meetings and like Mm -hmm. check it out. And like, maybe that'll help me like gain some clarity. And it didn't (laughs) because it, it perpetuates the, and I will say AA is very supportive for a lot of people. And that's great. It's not for me because I felt like every time I walked into that room that I was sick and I was broken and there was something wrong with me and there's not that if Mm -hmm. you drink and you want to stop drinking, there is nothing wrong with you. You are not sick. You are not broken. You're, you're choosing a different path than is normal but as a like society when I told people I wasn't going to AA anymore they're like whoa so you're gonna drink Mm. like oh Mm. like you're not working the steps you're not like that's not you can't do it like you're gonna you're gonna drink and you're gonna go back and you're you're gonna regret that but we're we're taught that like AA is the only way and that if you feel like you drink too much, there's something wrong with you. And I think that's really detrimental. And that's why people don't, like you said, Angela, like pull back that curtain and really take a closer look at what's going on with your life and what's going on with your health and what's going on with your, you know, emotions and your like internal you <laughs> mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and really take a deeper look and be like, okay, do I want this in my life? It's not, oh my God, I'm sick and broken. There's something wrong with me. I have to stop. It's, do I want this? And I do the same thing with coffee every morning. It's like, do I want this? Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. And that's okay. But it's like, you have to ask yourself a question. You have to really dig into it. Yes, that that's really, really nice to hear. I think that a lot of people don't know this refreshing take that you have of the resolve that you found within yourself and outside of AA and feeling like if this is marketed as the only way and it didn't work for me, there's got to be more people out there that are sober curious or wanting to be sober at this point in their life and feeling like they might not have the resources or might not know the steps if they're not going to work, quote, these steps. So I'm really glad mm-hmm. that you said that because um, I was just thinking about how I've never, this is kind of an aside, but I've never connected to a gym. Like I used to think Mm. if I can't make myself go to the gym, I must not want to work out. And Mm. then I realized that I'm a class girl and that's all it was. (laughs) Like it was a different version of what I wanted. Like I did want to work out. I did want to make myself better in that way. I did want to get all of the benefits of working out, but I thought that if I can't go into a gym and feel confident, then that I must not 
care about it as much. So thanks, Brie, for talking about how there's way more ways to do sobriety and really like you can feel confident that if something doesn't fit you, it doesn't mean you're broken. And if a path doesn't fit you, doesn't mean you can't do it. And I just, I find your whole take and your whole story really refreshing. Thank you for telling us about that. Yeah. And so, and for Brie, what helped you, do you feel like, obviously you wake up, you're like, this is not what I want anymore. Um, what were some steps that you took or some things that helped you with, I, you know, obviously like getting alcohol out of your house and things like that. But what I would love is kind of the perspective of like, this is why this was worth it to me and how, what helped me get there for people who might be drinking, be like, Oh, this might be something I want to potentially try. Yeah. Kendall. So I, yeah, woke up and took all the booze out of my house. I went to an AA meeting that morning and, and that was really good for me to be able to just tell someone mm-hmm. be like, and that's I like surrender, you know? Oh yeah. And so I, I appreciate AA for holding that space for me for the, you know, like four weeks that I went. Um, but it was really great to be able to be in a room of people that didn't drink, um, and start to talk about my story before talking to anyone else about it. Um, Mm. because it was a safe space. And then from there, I, so I had read, um, Ruby Warrington's book, Sober Curious, Sober, Sober Curious, um, years ago. And loved it, didn't drink for like three weeks and then pretended to forget about it. And so I had that in my, you know, bookshelf. I grabbed that around the same time. I somehow stumbled upon Holly Whitaker's work, um, and her book quit like a woman. She runs an alternative recovery group basically. Um, because the same kind of situation, like AA didn't work there has to be a better way. Um, so I read her book. I read, I read so many books, mostly by journalists about drinking culture. Um, Mm. and that was really helpful for me because that's why I drank is because of the culture of drinking. I wanted to fit in. I wanted to, Mm. you know, be the cool girl at the party, being able to, you know, drink whiskey with the guys. Like mm-hmm. that's why I was drinking. And, um, so it sounds like a lot of what you did was almost the education for the deprogramming of what yeah. you already thought. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of looking at, looking at the culture of it and saying like, I don't really want to be a part of this. Um, and then it started by like opening up to a few people and was like, Hey, um, I'm not drinking anymore. And it was, I opened up to the first time to one of the girls I was with the last time I drank. Um, and it felt very uncomfortable and scary. And her response was, Oh, that's awesome. That's so cool. Tell me more. Like, I totally Mm. support you. I can't wait to hear more about this. And that really gave me the power to talk to more people about it. And I haven't really shared publicly a lot um, because it feels, I don't know, sacred almost. Yeah. 
but it's been real like I always assumed that because drinking is such a social thing, I wouldn't be able to be social without booze. And that is not at all the case. In fact, a lot of people are like, hey, can we do a mocktail night? Like, mm-hmm. can can we go for a hike instead of grabbing drinks? Because I know you don't drink and now I have an out. Wow. Yeah. Mm. And I'm actually glad there does seem to be a little bit of research and I have a little bit of hope about like some sober bars opening and some more mm-hmm. conversation about it. I don't think there was much beforehand and there's still much progress to be made, but I love that you describe it as, oh, I have an out. I'm safe to not feel like I have to drink when I'm with her. So it almost mm-hmm. gave somebody else the permission to let their guard down and open their eyes to how many other things that, you know, we can be doing to connect with each other. That's, that's awesome. Um, yeah. 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 I was thinking about something about social, like drinking culture when you were talking about that and all that you've read on it and what comes to mind with me with pregnancy and drinking is so interesting. And I didn't realize this until, and we've all, Brie, you've, you, do you have children? I have four children. Okay. Oh my goodness. Okay. We're going <laughs> to, let, let me talk off mic with you about that. Um, okay. But as all mothers, so we can all speak to birthing children and being pregnant. And so when I was pregnant, it was just such an obvious, like, oh, she's not drinking because she's pregnant. And it, it was like, nobody gave me any grief. But the second mm-hmm. that I wasn't and I, and I wasn't drinking, people were like, oh, well, why not? You know? And it's like, yeah here's a bottle of wine for your, for your like welcome home baby guests. Yes. Sleepless nights. Mm -hmm. And like, why is it that it was okay when I was nursing another life, but not when I'm nursing my own life? Mm -hmm. Like, why is it, why was it only okay for me not to drink when it was like, I was taking care of somebody inside, but like I'm inside. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, I had this weird thing where I, then it became, if I wasn't drinking, are you pregnant again? And then I'm like, well, no. Mm -hmm. And and that was sensitive based on my own stuff, but it just, I had such a new understanding of, of socially acceptable drinking when I was pregnant and realizing that like, why is it socially acceptable to drink, but not socially acceptable to not drink? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really opened my eyes to how much the conversation comes up and how much people really ask very harmlessly. And I think, like you said, programmed condition oh, yeah. to ask, oh, not drinking tonight, you know, da da da, like asking about why and feeling like they're the only reason for a woman not to drink of my age would be pregnancy related. So that was something interesting. Yeah. I do think that just bringing that up, I think that there does need, that's one of those questions we need to like stop doing is like when someone is not drinking like why aren't you drinking absolutely like I think it's just like do you want a glass of wine someone says no and you're like okay yeah great I have do you want a LaCroix like Mm -hmm. do you want a whatever I think we just need because sometimes I really just don't feel like drinking and I do feel the pressure like listen I, I love a social drink I love a glass of wine I love all of that like I, um, and I feel like currently I have a healthy relationship with that, but even when the times I don't feel like drinking, I'm just like, yeah, that, like that, I don't really want to do that today. I feel like if I go hang out, I can't not have that without someone being like saying something. Mm-hmm. And so I do think that maybe normalizing, um, just having a few options and then letting them have that without questioning their intentions. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then, so this was a, a kind of an interesting thing. Um, and I would love to go over some of the health um, aspects of this purely because, so I got a DM and I thought this was really interesting talking about AA, Brie. Um, mm. Someone messaged me and said, I love that you guys are doing this podcast because I started drinking at 21 and um, she said, I did not draw a sober breath for three years after that. Mm -hmm. Like I was drunk every single day. And um, she said, so I, but she's been sober for three years and has gone through AA. But she said, what's interesting is like you guys talking about this, I would love to know how alcohol affects your life because she was like, all I am learning and I'm, I've not, I haven't gone through AA, so I can't speak to this. This is just from her um, talking to me, but that she was like, I want to know what the health aspects are and how this affects you. Because in AA, she was like, I understand that drinking too much was not serving me. It was wrecking my life, but I don't mm. know why. I just know mm. that if I drink, it will wreck my life. And so I don't drink, but I don't know why drinking was wrecking everything. Like, I don't know what it was doing to my health. I don't know what it was doing to my spirituality. Like, I don't know, like all these different things. So she was like, I, I'm so excited to hear you guys kind of talk about, you know, cause she was like, I've chosen not to drink, but I don't even know why it was causing all these things. And I thought that was a really interesting thing. Right. And then it made me think, mm -hmm. I bet a lot of people actually, they're just like, Oh, right. I shouldn't drink maybe because I want to lose weight or, Oh, I shouldn't drink because, you know, I want to stay hydrated or whatever, but people don't actually understand what this is doing to the body. And so, um, I just wanted to go over a few questions and we can like dive into other stuff after, but dive into a few rapid fire questions, um, of health stuff. And I actually have been learning about this in school lately. So I would love to kind of shotgun this with you, but, um, do you think that alcohol fasts are beneficial? So some people were like, I don't want to currently be sober forever, but do you believe that it's beneficial to, like be sober for a month or for a quarter of a year every year or like whatever, you know, just for a, a certain amount of time. Yeah. So from a health standpoint, like from like in my professional opinion, I think any kind of decrease in alcohol is going to make you healthier. Mm -hmm. That's so, yeah, you want to not drink for 30 days or 90 days or, you know, a week, like, yeah, that's going to be beneficial for your health. Yeah. And I think a big thing, just truly from a health side, alcohol is one of um, the most inflammatory things that Absolutely. we can put into <laughs> our body. Um, and inflammation in general is the cause of almost every preventable disease. So, um, when you're talking specifically about removing alcohol, and we're talking on just like health, not where you stand morally on it or socially or whatever, but just from a like scientific health standpoint, mm -hmm. um, if you give up alcohol, it dramatically reduces inflammation in the body, which allows 
every system in your body to thrive. Um, and, um, I think of it as like when you're trying to get healthy and, um, you are, you're doing all these things. And then if you are drinking alcohol and then you're wondering why some of these symptoms like won't go away, you're literally just putting poison in your body over and over where your body can't actually, um, get to the other things on the to-do list. Like it's first to-do list item is detox. Like we got to get the liver going. Yes. And fight inflammation. And so when your body is working on that, um, it can't work on anything else. And so I think that that's, someone said, oh, like, how does it affect your skin? And what's interesting is your body, if you're drinking a lot of alcohol, big thing of why it affects your skin is because beautifying aspects are very like towards the end of the to-do list of, um, Mm -hmm. like that's why your hair, your skin, your whatever, that's why you're, you glow when you're healthy is because all the other things in your body, the to-do list have been checked off. Like, got this, got this, got this. Now we can like have your hair healthy, have your skin healthy, you know, whatever. And so when you're drinking alcohol, it's very difficult for you to have good skin and hair because the body is only working on that first. It's only working on detoxifying and bringing down inflammation. So. Absolutely. Clear skin was one of the first things I noticed after I stopped drinking. I don't wear makeup anymore. I'm like, your skin. Like my means, skin looks amazing. Like I can only <laughs> imagine it does from the pictures I've seen of you. Truly, glo- <laughs> truly glowing. Um, mm-hmm. That is something I always have noticed too. It's one of the first indicators when I take a break from alcohol, which I have done a couple times just to like let the listeners know. I have gone on. Well, when I was pregnant, I didn't drink, and then when I you know, I've just gone throughout the last couple of years. My husband stopped drinking in, no, let's see, November 2019. So since I, uh, since he's sober and me and him, you know, have been in quarantine for all of 2020, my like drinking was definitely heavily reduced. Uh, but I am always amazed at how much the skin is a map. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it it will it will like call you out <laughs> like you can't get something past your skin a lot of the time uh so it's interesting the way that it will be sometimes your first indicator like ding 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 did you eat dairy again <laughs> or yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> it will let you know like it will tattle on you um so it's 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 just interesting to hear from you guys who have like health background, but I'm just like a skincare enthusiast. So I just inspect, mm-hmm. like I'm an investigator of my own skin. Mm-hmm. So um, it's more, it's, it's cool to, to hear the background on that. And the to-do list, that's a really strong metaphor. Kindle, you told me one time you had gone to like, this is so woo. So I figured I might as well throw it in. Uh, you went to somebody that read auras, like the color of your world. Oh, yes. This is just really, really like pertinent. So I want, I think we should keep it in, but you, you decide. No. Yeah. Um, so fill in the gaps here for me, but like, tell me what she said about the aura and when you drink alcohol and what it does. Yes. So, um, I went to this woman who, yeah, read auras. She would photograph, um, like do energetic Mm -hmm. photographs. And so, um, she, you know, did some different things and was explaining, you know, I went with several people 
and we all had different auras and colors and things like that. And she was explaining like, oh, this color means this, or, you know, like, oh, you have this in yours. This means that, whatever. And we were like, oh, so like, what's the, the craziest thing you could have come up in your aura? And she was like, well, the craziest thing you'll ever see is if someone comes in um, drunk or hungover. And we're like, what happens? And she said, the whole picture is black. Oh, gosh. I know. And I can't she, see chills every time. Yeah. It's black and, and you she, can't read it. Yeah. She said, because it's um, like, that's why alcohol is called spirits. Mm-hmm. Is that like, you've like left your body. Oh, yeah. You're not there anymore. You're not, you're not there. And she was saying like, from an aura um, perspective, like it's just black, which I thought was like so crazy. Yeah. But isn't that, I just thought the aura thing was wild. I've never like, forgot it, Ken. You told me that years ago <laughs> and I, that's why I wanted to mention it on the pod. That was like my only note in my iPhone notes was like Kindle aura black, <laughs> like, <laughs> like not yours, but like just a note to myself yeah. to say, but I did, I did want to just speak on real quickly spiritually, just, uh, from my own personal experience. And I would love to hear y'all's, um, I didn't realize this until I removed alcohol from a a period of time in my life that I felt so much more connected to my intuition when it wasn't Mm -hmm. in my life. And that was just me personally, but I can speak strongly that I feel that way. Um, And I just didn't know how out of touch I was with my intuition until alcohol was removed. And so I do feel so comforted in my strong spirituality and I get so much juice and high and life and joy out of that. And so that is something that helps me consider uh, if alcohol is worth it. It's because I get so many pings and downloads and creative ideas when I'm sober and I have so much more energy to actually entertain them. And do, do I want to feel set back in that way? And I, I just, just food for thought, because as we discussed, and as we named this episode, sober curious, I really don't want it to feel like the takeaways. These are all the reasons. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) But just food for thought, because the thing, I mean, I've still drank since Kendall told me the aura story, but it rattles around in my brain as sort of like, huh, it's in my back pocket. So it's just something to consider. And I feel very, very similarly about the spirituality health part of it. Yeah. And I think for me, it is staying mindful only because this isn't just a battle of like, oh, is it like worth it or not for me? It's like, Sometimes I feel drawn to drinking because the actuality of living life can feel really blinding. Like it can feel like a lot. And I will, at different times when I'm not in a good relationship with alcohol, I am using alcohol to deaden how bright and heavy that is. So it's like, I actually do want like when you're saying like, oh, is it worth it? Like I'm having these spiritual, you know, spiritual understandings and like, whatever. I mean, there are times in my life where I'm like, I don't want that. I, I'm mm. hiding from my own knowing. I'm like, I actually understand that if I take alcohol out of the equation, I will have these and I, I don't want it. Like I want to just like check out for a little bit. Oh, for sure. And, I have like yeah. extreme high functioning anxiety, like type A. Sometimes I don't want to be in my head so much. So I, I absolutely understand with like checking out and just wanting to just like take a break. <laughs> um, yeah. So I totally, but I totally obviously get that. that's, 
that's when I'm in an unhealthy relationship with that. Like that is like, that's not at all where I want to be. And I think in those times it's developing skills to actually, um, face and digest what I'm actually feeling. Um, instead of hiding from that, you know, alcohol increases that anxiety. I know. I mean, so it's like what a wild cycle, right? I know. You like drink to get away from anxiety, and it like is lighter fluid to anxiety. It's lighter fluid. I mean, that's that's what alcohol is. I mean, it's <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally lighter, lighter fluid. fluid. It's literally, like you can run a car on tequila. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's a it's a carcinogen. It's highly addictive. It's basically sugar, but also, you know ethanol it's it's gonna catch on fire and so mm-hmm. like it's gonna light a fire to your anxiety it's gonna light a fire to your you know your face <laughs> your skin to your gut it's so so not good for your gut but we use it to ironically lower our anxiety and relax and yeah it's a depressant too so it's gonna relax you because it's a depressant but mm-hmm. overall it's gonna increase that anxiety and increase all those other unwanted health things it, that we've got going on how many times too team have we like been like we've had a hard night we had a fight like we just want to forget about it and it been like two hours later you're crying to like strangers about the fight like it just amplifies oh yeah whatever you're doing yeah. so it's like the whole reason of like quote forgetting or relaxing it just like brings it more to the surface it brings it more mm-hmm. to the surface and then you're out here like saying things doing things whatever that you're absolutely mortified the next day you did you're like yeah i am so embarrassed that i even was yeah no no no, no talking no. about this fight you know what i mean um No. So I think that this is all really interesting. Um, because even Angela and I, when we, um, even brought up, we were going to do this for last season, this idea of like sober curiosity, because we personally were sober curious because we were in a time where we were recording and we were finding that alcohol was not serving us in that season. Um, we were, you know, trying to, this, this takes a lot of emotional space for us to have this podcast. It takes a lot of shadow work. It takes a lot of like facing our own stuff. Right. And so, um, alcohol was kind of coming up as this like crutch would be like, Oh shoot. Like we can't record today because we like drank yesterday. And so we're not like feeling like clear headed or, um, like maybe we're talking about our week and being like, oh, well, we got in a fight with our significant other because, you know, we drank or they drank or like whatever happened. It was this kind of theme of like enough times where alcohol was coming up. It was like, mm, maybe we should just like cut, like take this off the table for a little while. And so because of that, that was a question between Angela, Angela and I of like, so what would that look like? Like, okay, we're sober curious. What would sobriety in this season look like? And we wanted to talk to someone, you know, either amongst ourselves or with someone else of um, exploring that, right? Um, And so 
Yeah. So I just, I love that we had this conversation and I think that I would have loved hearing what everyone had to say tonight, even myself like a year ago would have been like, wow, this is something that I really need to digest right now and, and ask myself. And, um, so I'm, I'm really glad that we, we got on mic and talked about this. And Brie, can you tell them where to find you if they're interested in your um, nutrition, wealth of information, and all that is you? Yeah. So thank you so much for having me, you guys. Like I mentioned earlier, I haven't really talked about this publicly before. Um, little bits of pieces like breadcrumbs. So it's it was really almost like motivating for me going into this, like to organize some of my thoughts around it because I hadn't really asked myself some of these questions. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at the food therapist MS and same, uh, website. If you want to check out, um, all of my food therapy services, I never tell anyone to not ever drink, (laughs) never tell anyone to not ever consume anything. It's, uh, it's all, it's all your decision. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks for listening to us. Thanks for hanging out. We love doing this. We hope you took something away and share the medicine with your friends. And we'll see you next week. Cheers. 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 (laughs) Bye. I hope you had fun today. Thank you so much for listening. We're manifesting that this becomes something. So if you enjoyed this, help a sister out and give us a rating or tell your best friend so we can connect more people like you. Talk to us anytime. Easiest to reach us is on our Instagram. Kindle is at Kindle Hannah with no H at the end. And I am at Angela underscore party. Also, we wanted to give a quick shout out to Nicole Spolerich, our magical audio editor, and Scott Hoying from Pentatonics for the sparkly intro. You two make us sound like we're not just two girls sitting on the living room floor with a mic. So we love you for it. Anyway, we love all of you guys. See you next Wednesday and stay woo-woo.